Welcome, friends, to Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast, where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. I am your host, Curtis Kopotic, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Amber Brown. And today we are talking with Alex Bubin. Alex is a young environmental health and safety professional. And, you know, we've brought in a lot of people on the podcast that have years and years and years of experience. But we thought this time of year, we've got a lot of graduates, we've got a lot of people either entering college even that may want to take a look at the safety professional world and what that means. So we thought we'd bring Alex in today to give a little insight as to what he's experienced and what led him into the safety profession. And he goes along and gives some great advice for those who who, I mean, no matter how many years of experience, very applicable to everybody. And I love that he's already experienced so much, but how he's taken his experiences, which are not planned every, you know, there's no, never a smooth transition or a dream transition into a job. I feel like everybody feels like when they come into a job that just a lot of unknowns happen. And he gives advice on how to take those type of situations with stride and to grow from them. Yeah, so not just a podcast for young professionals entering into the world, but really something that anybody can take away. So join us on this interview with Alex Bubin. Well, thank you for joining us, Alex. And could you get in a little of your insights on being a safety professional at the earlier stages in a career, so trying to get into the education? Let's find out from you. What is your educational background and how did you decide on a future in workplace safety? Yeah, so thanks for having me. I guess I'll start with my college. I started school after high school. I started college at the University of Wisconsin Parkside. That is in Kenosha, Wisconsin, actually where I'm from. So kind of part of the reason why I, jo- why I started there was because it was in my hometown. Cost was slightly lower than other universities at the time. And most importantly, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my career yet. So I didn't want to put money into something that I wasn't going to end up doing. So I think it was somewhat of a smart decision. I went there for one year right out of high school. I actually grew up wanting to be a firefighter, (laughs) Um, and that obviously didn't pan out. But anyways, I got through some of my freshman year, had plans to try and figure out what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And my mother actually stepped in, (laughs) and she remembered that she had some family friends that she grew up with, and she knew that they were in this safety profession. And this was all brand new to me, even to her. Um, So she actually set up some time for us to talk with with those family friends. And I learned a little bit about what the profession of safety or environmental health and safety was. And after that discussion, I was kind of locked in. I was like, all right, well, this seems like something that I want to want to go down. So I ended up enrolling uh, at the University of Wisconsin Whitewater in their Occupational Environmental Safety and Health Program. I attended that school from sophomore year up until graduation. And then in school at the University of Wisconsin Whitewater, I was active in the, they had a student safety organization where they had guest speakers come in, I think it was once a month or something like that. And they just talked about their profession, some stories that they had, kind of introduced us to the real world of environmental health and safety. Then getting into, um, I think it was my junior year, I 
that summer from junior year to, to senior year, I had an internship in safety with a large baking company. Had no idea what I was getting into, um, but it turned out very, very good for me. Um, those three months that I was there in the summer, I learned more about safety than from all of my classes in school. Not because I wasn't learning anything in school, but because this was the real life safety professionals, you know, what they do for, for their life. They're working, they're in the action, their boots are on the ground. Really in anything in life, that's, that's how you learn most is when you get your, get your feet wet, doing things with your hands and you're actually out there. So after that internship, that was it. I knew I was on the right path. I really enjoyed what I was doing there. And then that, I guess that brings us to my senior year, the last year of, of school. And we were actually required to have an internship for our last semester of senior year. So that internship that I had with the baking company didn't count for that, which was actually a good thing because I was able to get even more experience. So that next internship, I kind of switched paths. It was still in safety, of course, but I went from a bakery to the heavy industrial manufacturing setting. Yes, a little, little bit different than baking bread. I worked there for one semester and I actually liked it so much that I ended up staying there after I graduated. And that was my first job with that company. Out of all of that internship, the best part was that I had a job offer before I even graduated school. So I didn't have to worry about all the stress with finding a job after graduation. I already had it lined up. So that was a stress relief for me. You know, just making the leap from firefighter, you know, a profession of serving the public to kind of this uh, workplace safety and also still helping the public, but while they're working versus, you know, when they're at home or something like that. Can you give any, uh, those young people out there who might be looking at the safety world, any other ideas of what's involved or what do you feel? How is this similar to firefighting? What is it fulfilling for you? Yeah, great question. So uh, I wanted to be a firefighter because I, I don't know what it is, but I enjoy helping people. And I think anybody that has that, whatever that is inside of them that likes to help people, being in the environmental health and safety field is, I mean, you're not a firefighter, obviously, but it's kind of a lot like that where you're there, you're helping people. And then when it gets to the discussion of injuries, you actually are, you know, someone's injured and you need to figure out what you need to do. So you got to act quick on your feet, kind of similar to what a firefighter needs to do. I think it's just whatever that is in me that, you know, I like to be a service to people. And in the environmental health and safety world, you are essentially doing that. This job exists because there's people that get injured. There's things that need to be taken care of regulatory wise, but you're essentially doing that. That's why this job was created was basically to help people out. Well, then I think it's interesting too about the job is that it's not a direct profit gaining position, correct? I mean, there's not yeah. like a spreadsheet of I made the company money, but it's still essential for any company's function. Like, could you imagine a company trying to make money without an EHS? Yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely something that's behind the scenes. <laughs> you don't nobody really un unless you're in the EHS world or you really understand it. People don't see the impact of what the environmental health and safety teams for companies have on their actual profits for their company. Because if one person gets has a serious injury, that could be 
a serious case could be $100,000 that the company just loses. And if we can prevent that from happening, we're not losing that money, but people don't really see that because like I said, it's behind the scenes. People don't really keep an eye on it. They don't understand what's going on until that injury happens. And then we're hit with those big bills and we're wondering where that money's going. It's always easier to see the money coming in versus the money mm-hmm. going out until it's really leaking out. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. Alex, as a young safety professional, you've just entered the workforce in the last couple of years, you know, even with COVID going on, which kind of leads to this question too. What are some of the obstacles that you've encountered either while you were interning or even afterwards when you've been entering the workforce? I think I have a pretty interesting obstacle that that I want to share. And it doesn't have to do with COVID, but it does have to do with my second internship with this heavy industrial manufacturing company. The story is the first day that I got there for my internship, I showed up And I was waiting there and then they brought me into the conference room to be introduced to everybody, you know, get my packets and all that good stuff. But what I found out was that the EHS professional that I was supposed to be reporting to and he was going to be my mentor and all those good things, he left the company a week before I got there and they didn't really have anybody to fill that person's shoes Um, That's what we call exciting introduction. (laughs) Yeah. Like, what do they call it? Drinking water out of a fire hose. But anyways, they did what they could and they temporarily filled that position with, I think it was a supervisor, a a shift supervisor. They asked if he could, you know, step in and fill that role for the time being. So that ended up working out. But I think the biggest part of that issue was that I'm starting this internship. I'm here to learn about what this profession is and do some of the things that I would be doing if I end up pursuing this career. And I didn't have somebody to look up to, to ask questions to, to lean on, whatever it was. So I kind of had to learn it all on my own, (laughs) but it was tough. But it was definitely a blessing for me to have that experience because I was able to learn so much. I was forced to get into everything right away without knowing anything. You know, it took a lot of research and time at home trying to figure out what these regulations are and what do I do for this type of situation. I did have some help. I wasn't all alone. I had help from the corporate team. But if you ever work for a big company, you know how the corporate management works and they have millions of people to take care of and answer questions to. So yes, they were there for support and all that. But like I said, I was still, I felt a little bit like I was on my own and ended up being a blessing because that opened the door for me. And that's why I ended up getting that job before graduation because it was with this company and I talked with the one of the executives of the the company at the plant and said hey I know this position is hasn't been filled yet and I'm speaking about the guy who left a week before I got there and I said what are what are the chances that when I graduate I can take this position and we talked about it they did all the work on their end and it worked out for me so that I was able to fill that full-time role even though I was already kind of doing it after I graduated. So I think that was a pretty big obstacle for me right away. Hey everyone, John Grove, CEO of Fit for Work. We'll get right back to the podcast in a minute. But if you're tired of chasing injuries and working hard to get those numbers down, 
Fit for Work can definitely help. Our clients see a 50% reduction in the number of injuries and associated costs and enjoy the efficiency and ease of interacting with a turnkey program. Now, there are four ways that we partner with employers, on-site early intervention, industrial ergonomics, safety compliance, and employee testing. And while many people know us as working with large companies, we do have ergonomic and safety solutions for small and medium-sized clients as well. Imagine how your day-to-day -day would improve if you were able to bring a 50% reduction in injuries to the table. To connect with us, it's super simple. Go to wellworkforce.com, click on Connect With Us button, and put our team to work for you. How normal of an experience do you think that is? I mean, because it sounds like it's almost one of the, the biggest obstacles is it's a very specific knowledge position, right? It's not an off the street position you can really fill, but is it just maybe individuals not knowing where they can go to for resources or how would you kind of sum that up? Yeah, um, I would say that it, it is not normal for something like this to happen. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't talked to anybody that's that's had a similar experience like this, but yeah, so not normal. I wouldn't expect it if anybody's listening and they're worried about <laughs> their boss leaving before they get there. I, I would not worry about that. But I think the biggest thing to take out of this would be kind of what you were hitting on is if you don't know, you don't know an answer to somebody's question, or if you're kind of stuck in your shoes like I was, the best thing you can do is just ask around, ask your upper management if there's anybody that they know that they may have worked with that you could consult with them or relying on your corporate team, asking them the questions. And then another good piece of advice would be if you're in a large company, there's other businesses nearby or in the country, reach out to one of those companies, EHS representatives, and tell them that you're struggling. And, you know, we're all the EHS world, I would be comfortable saying that we're all friendly, we're like a family, and we're more than willing to help each other out. So don't be afraid to just reach out to anyone who's in the EHS field, even if you go on LinkedIn and, you know, look around for EHS representatives or specialists, whatever they are. And if you don't know, ask. <laughs> That actually kind of leads us into um, the next question here too. You know, it's the end of the year, we've got a bunch of graduates or even, you know, those soon to be college seniors taking a look at what the heck am I going to do to find a job? I've got this environmental safety degree. Any additional advice that you can give them other than reaching out, you know, and I know that internship was really important to you or even, you know, what are the benefits that you've seen in this profession? you know, you seem very passionate about it. What makes it worth it for you? Yeah. So a lot of things make it worth it, but I'll back up and go to some advice that I have. And I think it's really, really important for new graduates because we're young. We're what, 20 something years old, getting out into the real world and specifically for a manufacturing company. And even more specifically for a union shop, which um, that kind of changes the game on some things depending on where you're at. But the issue is the age gap. Being a 20-something-year-old new grad going into the real world, into a real job where there may be some younger people that work there, but there's probably going to be a higher ratio of older individuals that work there. So my example is actually from this internship that I had with the heavy industrial manufacturing company. I was 20 
one years old and the employees that were working in the shop, the ones that you actually work with more than the office workers and whatnot, they were older. <laughs> so, and they weren't just older. They have been working there for, I think the average 10 year was like 20 or 25 years. So I think you can kind of get a feel for where I'm going at, but these guys worked there for 40 years. They've been doing the same thing for 40 years. And this 20 year old kid is coming in there and telling them that they need to change the way that they've been working for the last 40 years. <laughs> so you get a lot of rolled eyes, cuss words, whatever, right back at you. So I think the best thing that you can do if you're ever in that age gap situation is right away, get to know who the employees are, try and get to know them on a personal level. You don't need to go to their kids' graduation parties or whatever, but get to know, do they have kids? Do they have a wife? What do they like to do? Do they like fishing? Do they like golf? What are their hobbies? If anything like that, any of their hobbies relate to you, take that and just <laughs> use that use that as leverage for your discussions with them when you're saying, hey, we need to get this new glove in, make a connection with them so that they feel that you're actually there and interested in them. You're not just throwing safety gloves at them or safety glasses, PPE, whatever it is. It's really, really important to know who you're working with and they will feel that connection if you can if you can find it. <laughs> and you're the one that is going to most likely have to go out there and search for that connection. They're not going to be willing to come to you and they may be, but most of them are going to be kind of to themselves and wait for you to go talk to them. So building that connection is really, really important and it can leverage a lot of things that you're trying to do for the company that's for the better. So this has been really good tips, and I, I love the connection aspect of it because I feel like that's the what the world of safety really is, is it allows you to connect with people in ways that usually aren't as life and death. So you don't have to be a firefighter to help people is what I think you're kind of coming around to, is that you can still make a huge impact in people's lives in this way without it having to be responding to cardiac arrest all the time or overdose or any of the other accidents or whatnot, there's still big changes to be made. So uh, any final tips, trips, thoughts, or advice you'd be willing to give? Yeah, of course. I guess just a little last bit of advice, pretty general advice, but I think it is very, very important for a safety professional at least, and for even for life advice in that. The first bit is listen, listen to your coworkers, listen to the employees. And the reason you want to listen is because you need to understand what people are saying. And part of our job is to fix problems, right? So we can't fix a problem if we only know bits and pieces of it. So make sure to open your ears up and listen clearly for whoever's talking to you. Listen to what they're saying. Second, be flexible. I can't tell you how many times I come into the office and I have a full schedule planned out for the day and I don't do one single thing on that schedule. <laughs> and that's because in the EHS world, things happen and we need to change our entire day's schedule to accommodate to an injury or to accommodate to a concern that somebody's having. So need to be like rubber, be flexible. Third, communicate effectively. And by that, I mean, know your audience. Are they shop workers? Are they company executives? You got to figure out who you're talking to and how to project your communication. 
because it depends on who you're talking to. And then lastly, don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to delegate work if you're able to do that. This is something that I admit that I struggle with. I get a lot of stuff on my plate and I get afraid to ask somebody to help because I don't want to bother them. Don't be afraid to do that. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to assign an engineer a task on one of your projects that you're doing if it makes sense to do that. We can have heavy workloads, so it's really important that that work gets done, but we also need to keep our sanity. <laughs> so really don't be afraid to do that. And I guess don't be afraid to ask for help. So I think with that, that's really the advice I have for, um, for a young safety professional. Alec, that actually sounds like great advice for anyone. I think that when people hear this, they won't be able to believe that you're only a few, you know, you've got less than five years under your belt because you speak with such knowledge and passion for the job and, and everything. So thank you so much for joining us today and being some advice for those young potential safety professionals out there. Are you on LinkedIn? If people have questions, if they want to reach out, all of that advice that you just gave, can they find you on LinkedIn? LinkedIn? They sure can. It is just search my first and last name, Alex Bubin. There's not many of us, so you should be able to find me. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much, Alex. Yeah, thank you. That was really nice to get to know Alex. Um, great guy. And he has a good head on his shoulders and definitely could feel a connection that he has to his job and to the employees he works with. And Really, that is, I cannot understate the great value that comes from that. I know being in the safety realm for over eight years now, me personally, those connections is really what I cherish most. It's not just knowing the people, but it's the people that you know and you know how to help them. And it's a great deal of satisfaction. And I can, you can tell he feels that as well in wanting to connect with people and then knowing that because he's connected with them, now he can help them. Great great benefit from being in this world. Wouldn't you agree, Amber? Yeah, definitely. And it kind of goes right along. You know, he talked about originally he had always wanted to be a firefighter. And if you think about that, that is very much a helping profession as well. But after having that conversation with his mom and, and taking a look into the environmental health and safety world, just how much he can actually still get out there and help others. So yes, definitely a great opportunity. And we hope you all got to know a little bit more about what it takes or, or somebody's experience getting into the environmental health and safety world. And we want to thank you for listening to this episode of Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast, where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. Please like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And to get started preventing injuries, please visit our website, wellworkforce.com. And remember, prevention improves lives.